When you care for something, you don't want the something to disappear. Care is the first step. If you care, conservation will come later. But first of all, you need to care. Our natural world inspires and shapes us, so it's critical that we work to protect it. I'm Alex Honnold, professional rock climber and founder of the Honnold Foundation, and this is season two of Planet Visionaries. As a climber, I've been fortunate enough to see both the beauty and fragility of our planet. That's why I'm proud to be joining Rolex and the Washington Post Creative Group to bring you stories of inspiring people who are helping solve some of the most important conservation issues we face today. On this episode, I get to talk to Thomas Diang. He's a Senegalese biologist who's been working to save threatened and endangered turtle species across Africa for almost 30 years. Hello, Thomas. Welcome. Alex, thank you so much. So can you describe how you got started with turtle conservation? In the beginning, when I started, I was not a turtle conservationist. I was mostly a turtle hobbyist who wanted to collect turtle. Just to, I, I just feel so good to have all these animals around me. And after a while, I just think, if I really love these animals, I need to do something meaningful for them. And the least I can do is to protect them. I was in the right place in the right moment. And I, I just decided to switch being a turtle collector to a conservationist. Now conservation is my main focus. I didn't know I will have a lifetime commitment with these animals. What I was thinking in that moment is just, it's fun to do that, and I'm going to do it for at least a decade, and after that to switch to something else. Hmm. And I was wrong, as you can see. I was wrong. Why were you wrong about that? Why did you wind up loving turtles so much? When you start doing this type of work, you get infected by some kind of weird uh, turtle craziness. When you learn a lot about their status of conservation, this is where you decide, oh, now the animals I love need help. That's why I launched in 2009 the African Colonial Institute, who are an organization just focused for preserving turtle and tortoise in the Africa continent, in the regional continent. I'm curious how much of your work is because you love turtles and how much is because you feel like you can be uniquely useful. You know, like how much is because you feel like this is an opportunity for you to do something important and helpful and how much is just because you love the turtles? Because obviously it's a little bit of both. And I'm sort of curious personally, like where, you know, where you get your inspiration. It's difficult to explain where I get my motivation. I I don't say motivation, I'm going to use another word. I'm going to say uh, obsession <laughs> is obsession. And, you know, obsession also is something good because obsession help you to tackle the challenges. Because when I work, and as you know, in Africa, when you want to work with turtle and when concerned with these animals, you have so many challenges along the road. And Inside the obsession, this is where you find the energy to tackle these challenges. And believe me, in my field, challenges are everywhere. Yeah, what are the challenges to turtle conservation? Turtles are in trouble. 
they are one of the most threatened vertebrate in the planet, just after the primates. Some species are affected more by habitat loss. Other species are really affected by international pet trade because the animals itself, the species itself, are not doing good in captivity. So for this species, the way we operate is to reinforce international wildlife policy. We have CITES, who are the big uh, instrument to regulate this trade. Protecting the habitat is something also who can go along, but in the same time, you need to work in different fronts to protect different species. How do you stay optimistic in your work with, with conservation when the pressures facing turtles all over the world are so broad? You know, it's like basically turtles are, are under attack everywhere. And there's only so much that you can do. It's like, how do you stay optimistic knowing that, that it's such an uphill battle? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you, Alex. You have so much failure in the conservation world. But we have also some conservation success. Like recently I was reading, a friend of mine sent me a really nice paper saying, according to the data they get, a population of loggerhead sea turtle in the Cabo Verde Island near to my country, not far, are bouncing back. And you have success in conservation, but I think always you need to be optimistic, always. If you are in the field, you just need to highlight success. Rather than highlighting failure, when you see conservation success who get highlighted, that's, that is uh, something who just guide you and give you so much motivation to move forward. And I just encourage people to highlight success and get optimism. I think uh, humankind have the ability to do something really positive to make our planet perpetual. Yeah, it's, it's nice to hear you say that because I, I always argue the same thing. It's like, well, you might as well be optimistic because it encourages you to do more. You know, like there's no yeah. reason not to be optimistic because you need something to get <laughs> you out of bed and, and to, to work. Exactly, ex exactly, exactly. Tomas's career in turtle conservation was heavily inspired by meeting the French conservationist Bernard DeVoe. Before you started the African Colonial Institute, you started the, the Village des Tortues. Can you tell us about that? That was my first experience. After overwhelming my dad with all the turtle in his backyard, he finally kicked me out. And... Uh, in that moment, I meet Bernardovo and we decided to find a place designated only for the turtle I had. And we moved my personal collection to the Village de Tortue. We spent eight uh, years fundraising and building the Village de Tortue with a, a different exhibit where people can just come learn about the turtle and also provide the critical funding we need in order to keep the, that place running. And, you know, now the Village de Tortue is uh, one of the most successful model in terms of education in the city of Dakar. Mm. And that's made me proud because I spent so much time and effort to launch the Village de Tortue. And now I'm happy that all our effort paid off. 
Yeah, can you tell me your favorite thing about the village? Like, what do you find the the most impactful? Like, seeing the kids touring, seeing uh, the research. What I think the most impactful is the scale of outreach we accomplish with the Vira de Tortu in terms of protecting turtle and their habitat. Kids love to have this story and come interact with animals. And this is where we can plant the seed for the next generation of turtle conservationists somehow. Because they start to interact with the animal and they start to care with the animals. And when you care for something, you don't want to something to disappear. Mm-hmm. Care is the first step. Mm-hmm. If you care, conservation will come later. But first of all, you need to care. Care are always connected with education because you cannot care for something you don't know. And so you think that's an important part of conservation is is exposing the kids to the animals and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the animals interacting with them, we have always animals who are never going to be released in the wild because they are too acclimated to captivity. All these animals can be ambassador mm-hmm. for the cause <laughs> of turtle conservation. That's fun to think of some of them as ambassadors. <laughs> like this, this turtle was chosen <laughs> yeah. by a species to represent <laughs> this kind. I read about you know turtles living sometimes almost two hundred years. Like some turtles are incredibly long lived. Yeah, here we have a turtle who, according to what we can estimate, these animals was more than 100 years. Where I live, we see desert tortoises in the in the desert. And, you know, I've never researched them at all, don't know anything about them, but they look ancient. Like, they look like very, very old creatures because they, they look like dinosaurs or something walking across the desert. And yeah. it's just, it's interesting to know that they can actually live 100 years. It's like, it's so long. It's amazing. Tomas has been able to expand his conservation work from Senegal to across West Africa, working with dozens of species of turtles. You won the Rolex Awards for Enterprise in 1998. What did it feel like to to win the award and and what did that do for you? Rolex, they are visionary. When they see my application, they can see in that moment the potential. They can feel the potential my application had. I was young, I have the passion, I have the determination to do this project. They say, why not? And when they give me the prize, that was the first prize I got for my work. That was for Senegal Taurus. And now I'm working with, not turtle in my country, but in the scale of Africa, particularly West Africa, in multiple countries. And now we have new collaborator and we started also, so many partnerships across West Africa with other people, with other entities. And the network is starting to grow. And the voice of turtle conservation is starting to get louder and louder. Last, uh, in 2019, I received the Tusk Award in the hands of the Duke of Cambridge, the Prince William. Mm. He invited me to the Kensington Palace. I was able to see the Prince George and also Kate, the wife of the Prince William. That was just so amazing. I never dreamed in my life my dedication for turtle can lead me in some this recognition. 
It's, it's funny you say that because uh, I also met Prince William and Princess Kate at the uh, BAFTAs, the British Academy Awards for film. And uh, it, it was the exact same experience where I was like, I never would have guessed that rock climbing all the time would one day lead me to meet royalty. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like it's it's funny when you uh, when you follow uh, you know a very particular passion for a very long time. Eventually, you wind up meeting all kinds of people. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I just received like two weeks ago the final notification that uh, in the hand of this year, the Prince Albert, the Monaco. He's going to come to Senegal to visit the president of Senegal. And in the same time, he's going to bring me turtle he got for as a gift. And he doesn't want to keep them anymore in captivity oh, that's awesome. for us to release. Come to Senegal. That's great. We are going to use this opportunity to help spread the word for turtle conservation. Have you uh, worked with or met any, any of the other laureates? Yeah. Louis Leidenberg. He helped me to set up. The Sibet tracker, they use the Sibet tracker for different other animals in South Africa. But I was able to use a version of the Sibet tracker to get accurate information in the field. And that was a really great collaboration between different laureates inside the Rolex community. So, so tracking the turtles to see where they live within their habitat? Yeah, and what they do also, that is important. Yeah. <laughs> what they they are doing, like uh, they are mating, they are laying eggs, uh, this is a feeding ground and all these things. So that is uh, important data for us. When, when I think of the desert tortoises that live around me, I think they're just always walking very, very slowly across the desert. Yeah, <laughs> it feels yeah. like whatever they do, they do very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but they are so persuasive and they are always going to reach their goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're, and they're going to outlive me, so yeah, you know, yeah. the, the, they get the last laugh. That is true. As Tomas continues his work, he is inspired by the next generation of Africans who are redefining the concept of conservation. As I was reading about your work and and reading about you know turtle conservation in West Africa, I was struck by how much conservation depends on good governance, rule of law, stability, and, and basically, you know, prosperity for the people nearby. I mean, because I was reading about the, the hunting of turtles and people eating turtles for meat and things like that. And it just made me realize that it's just hard to conserve a species if there are other factors at work there. Okay, can you talk about the conservation in the context of, of broader society? You know, it's like, where does it fit in with, with everything else going on in the country? Most of the people I meet about my work, they just think that is not a priority. Conserving animals, particularly turtles, that is not a priority here. They think always that uh, we need to focus on feeding people, on doing other things like that, and trying to do sustainable development. And I d totally disagree with this point of view. And the reason I disagree is because Africa, a place, a continent where people were doing before conservation, but not in the way we know conservation in the Northern Hemisphere. Like, for instance, when you see the traditional forests who are protected because they have the spirit 
who have importance for some tribe or something like that. And nobody touch animals or plants in this habitat. That is a form of conservation. Hmm. Maybe the reason they are conserving is not about these animals is beautiful. But in Africa, we protect different space and different animals because they think they are the totem of a tribe. That is a form of protection. But maybe that is a way we can use in order to redefine the concept of conservation for Africa. That is maybe a way. So what do you see the next generation doing to continue your work? Yeah, Alex, to be honest, I'm starting now to think about the next generation, uh, giving the opportunity for other people like a young generation to step in conservation. This year, we was able for the first time to do the inaugural African scholarship program. It's some kind of training course open to West African students, uh, wildlife professionals who are always uh, already in the field of conservation but want, wanted to increase their knowledge for total conservation. And we had nine participants for the first, uh, with six countries in West Africa for the first time. Uh, and I get just so excited by this program and hopefully we will be able to do it each year. So what advice would you give to somebody who's interested in this type of work? If someone want to do what I'm doing now and work with turtle or only work for conservation, you need to understand one thing. First of all, progress is not going to happen overnight. And all these things happen and you need to manage that and it's frustrating. The job needs to be done now in order to produce something in the future because most of the things take so much time and uh, you need to have a dose of understanding and patience. And what advice would you give to the average person about how they can help keep our planet perpetual? Yeah, how we can do that is just uh, get information and try to help like plastic waste, for instance. Plastic is affecting every type of animal in any ecosystem. You have people use plastic, so much and throw plastics outside and when the plastic degrade the microplastic is affecting everything i always say as a human in the planet we cannot say that is not our job it's the job of scientists or is the job of conservationists or in the job of other people each person in this planet have responsibility and can give his contribution for making our planet, this planet, perpetual. That was Africa's father of turtles, Tomas Diang. I'm Alex Honnold. Thanks for listening to Planet Visionaries. To learn more about Tomas's work, check out africancolonian.org. If you liked what you heard, Please like, subscribe, and leave a review to help others find it. And you might also enjoy the second episode of Season 1, where I spoke with Pablo Borboroglu, an Argentinian conservationist working in the harsh conditions of Patagonia to save the world's endangered penguins. On the next episode, I'll be joined by marine explorer Vreni Hauserman 
and marine biologist exploring the vast underwater ecosystems of Chilean Patagonia. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out the next generation of environmental innovators at Rolex.org.